0: Hey, everybody. Welcome. Um, Hopefully you guys can all hear me okay. Um, We have some music for um, today's podcast to get things started. So it's a little P-Brock here. So while people get filed in, we'll listen to this P-Brock. So here we go. Welcome, everybody. So um, that was a recording from, I don't know, a few days ago. Uh, I've been practicing, and I um, I brought my Zoom recorder home, and I just get it out whenever I play, especially when I do Pbrock because you never know when you're going to catch a good one. So that was, that was a particularly good run um, on that tune, so that was pretty fun. So how's everybody doing today? Anyone taking a lunch? nap while I listen into that tune, or
1: hopefully pretty good. Wait, you didn't tell me we get lunchtime naps.
0: Uh, well, you don't.
1: Oh, well, that's no fair. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, it's, we do have a pullout couch in the back, so people taking breaks from working. Excellent, loving it. So, um, we were hoping that Eric Olet was going to show up today, but he's cranky today, so I don't think he's coming. <laughs> Carl's laughing at me over there. Yeah, he sort of woke up on the wrong side of the bed, but glad did, so. Oh, well, what can you do? So, um, Jack said that was a real toe-tapper. Glad to hear you feel that way. I agree. Makes you want to get up and dance a little bit. Um, So today on the show we're going to talk about, uh, we're we're, going to pick up a little bit on where we were um, last week, talking about how some of the things that advanced pipers are doing is actually magic, and you have to be born with certain magical powers in order to do them. um, last week we talked a little bit about the magic of tuning and how if you don't have a good ear it's actually impossible to tune so if if you weren't born with a perfect ear you should just quit piping isn't that right carl
1: seem to remember there was some discussion of that last week yes
0: that's right and how uh basically yeah like i can tune bagpipes but it's only because i was born with that gift um, I didn't have to learn any any skills or develop any fundamentals. It was just magic,
1: basically. Now, lucky uh, for me, I wasn't born with the skills, but they magically propagated themselves um, later on in my piping career.
2: Yes. So I really, must
1: have been reborn.
0: Well, yeah. Certain, I'm born
1: again. Bagpipe skills.
0: There's certain water that there's certain water that only I know how to find, and I can give that water. To people that I choose, and that water gives you the ability to tune. Um, of course, okay. This sarcasm has gone on much too long. So, actually, uh, last week we talked about how there's really not much magic involved at all, um, and it's all stuff that um, a little bit of logic, um, a little bit of deductive reasoning skills, uh, we can figure out how to do most of the things that the great pipers are doing. Um, and I. I don't know what that time was. That was my
1: jacket zipper.
0: <laughs> oh, I see. Okay. So then, um, yeah, the, where I was going with that is, um, realistically, I, I've been in the game a while at this point. Almost, um, I've been in the game of competitive pipe bands for 20 years now. I think really, um, and, and I have yet to come across anything that's actually magic. Now, there are some things that are that are so incredible. That it seems like magic, um, like um, pretty much any time you watch Field Marshal Montgomery tune up, it sure is tempting to say that it's magic because um, I have no, um, I still haven't figured out the exact pieces of the puzzle that they use um, to get such an immaculate sound. Um, I was uh, I was privileged um, and lucky enough to uh, play with the SFU Pipe Band for several years. Um, and I did get to experience that. I, I did get to experience all the pieces of that puzzle, and that has inspired a lot of my own pipe band stuff is um, watching that in action. And, um, you know, I, a lot of people would consider the SFU sound magical. And, um, but, but at the same time, it really um, – they have their own pieces of the puzzle that they employ, which um, I'll leave up to them. But, um, but uh, I'm definitely interested in sharing a lot of the stuff that I've learned over the years and a lot of the – the, uh, things that I do. Jack says we are getting an echo. Are other people getting that echo out there? Ah, Jack, it looks like you're signed in twice. I bet you I can fix this echo here. Hold on. Jack, I'm going to boot the other guy. <laughs> uh, wait, how do I do this? Remove selected user. There you go, Jack. I bet you things just got a whole lot better for you. I have saved your life. Glad to hear it. Okay, so um, so anyway, uh, let's start off uh, with some of these questions as a jumping off point. Uh, we had a few people earlier sign in uh, and come up with some things that they wanted to talk about. So, Kathy was the first one up, and she said, any comments on leaving the best performance on the practice field before the performance competition? Um, I think that's a uh, really good thing. That's where you want to leave it. Uh, you want to leave the best performance in the tuning park. That is the um, best place. But uh, in all seriousness, what she's talking about is a very serious issue, and I've experienced it so many times uh, where we would sound really, really great just about ten minutes before we, ha- uh, we reach the line and we competed. it. So um, I don't know. What do, you th- what do we think about this? Carl, do you want to jump in on this one?
1: Yeah, I, I mean – it's tough, because of course you're coming at it uh, from the perspective of, of the leader of the band there, and and uh, I was of course part of that band that had that kind of, um, that happened sometimes, and, and I think we've all kind of been, been there in one of those two places, it's it's tough. Uh, I mean, just rationally thinking through it, the best thing to do is, is to be able to um, get out there more often and get... Experience under pressure. Do do things to practice being under pressure, so that um, yeah, I, I really do think it has a lot to do with nerves. I mean, aside from if you messed up the tuning, but yeah, I think it's mostly playing and nerves, um, overblowing in the, um, the the tuning circle or underblowing in the final. You know, any combination of that um, is going to cause trouble. And it's just practice and knowing how you personally respond under stress and um, uh, pressure and what you need to compensate for. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it, uh, a lot of it, Kathy, for me, um, having been in the leadership role, um, a lot of times leaving the best performance on the, you know, in practice as opposed to on the field has to do with leadership, uh, leadership inexperience and blundering. Um, that's, been, that's been my own personal reflection over the years is a lot of times, you know, if I'm in charge of tuning up the group, uh, it's really, really tempting to allow yourself extra time to get things in tune. This is one example. Um, it's really tempting to allow yourself extra time to get stuff in tune, but of course we know the longer you play that instrument, the more moisture it takes on. Um, and the more unstable the instruments can become. Uh, so from a tuning aspect, there's an example. That's, and that's, that's my fault, right? I started the group up a little bit too early. People get tired. And they get tired, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's a and big so, one. So sometimes leaving the, leaving the best performance uh, in the practice field is leadership error, right? Uh, and, and just generally, right, an attitude that we need to warm up for a really – that we need to practice for a long time before we go on the field um, that's a serious mistake, a serious leadership mistake. Um, I, I remember this vividly. Uh, my first year in SFU, and um, and I was asking Jack about, you know, what the tune-up was like, and and uh, I was shocked to hear that uh, the tune-up um, is like, like 45 minutes. Like, uh, back in the day, and, and I was I played at Orenmore for many years as it came up through the ranks, you know, and we were always guilty of warming up. For like two hours, you know, and there's just there's just such such a low likelihood that people can keep the focus um, and produce a good performance after that long of a warm up. Um, yeah, exactly. So there's there's lots of leadership blundering that can happen, and and then generally I, I touched on it a little bit, but I'll I'll reiterate it, which is um, Performance day is not practice day. It's one of the number one biggest mistakes any pipe band can make, right? If, if you're hoping to practice on the day of a performance, then that's exactly how good it's going to go. Um, <laughs> and then Kathy with the inevitable follow-up question. Any idea how to gently make this suggestion to the pipe major? Um, <laughs> I, I wish you the best of luck with that.
1: It, it's very easy. Just recommend the podcast. <laughs> Not this episode. Just, hey, you should listen to the to the Dojo podcast. Put it, start them a few episodes before so it's time to work into it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we'll edit in, that part out. <laughs> I've been in so many bands, or I've witnessed so many bands, practice their material over and over again, like moments before they go on to compete. There's no need to practice. All you need to do is... Um, you need to get warmed up, which means you got to get the pipes settled, got to get them in tune. And, yeah, like we're we're going to run through a couple of the key breaks and make sure people's heads are in the game, but we're not going to, like, play through the MSRs a bunch of times to make sure they're good. If they're not good, by the day of a performance, right, you got bigger fish to fry than worrying about how good your uh, performance is going to be on the field. So, um, so, yeah, as far as how to make a suggestion to the pipe major, I mean, it should be – it should be obvious to the pipe major, and if it's not, they should be extremely open-minded uh, to suggestions as to uh, how to improve that because that's a major issue. If they're not extremely open-minded uh, to something along something as basic as this, then uh, you know, uh, get out those voting ballots at the next AGM. You know what I'm saying? That was that, was that controversial. Carl's like,
1: no, I mean. Sort of, Voting that's up, good. Like, I, vote I know.
0: Them vote them out. <laughs> okay, I'll stop. All right. So, um, let's see. Open-minded so that's
1: uh, <laughs> I get it. it's an oxymoron, an open-minded pipe major. <laughs>
0: that's not true. I would, you know, good pipe majors may be rare. That might be true. I, I'll leave that up for debate. But open-minded pipe majors are not oxymorons. It is a requirement. Now, granted, um, in the middle of practice when the pipe major is working on making the band better is not the appropriate time to bring this up in defense of the closed-minded pipe major, right? So uh, the appropriate time to bring anything up to a pipe major is privately. uh, And and then you have to have an open mind yourself. (laughs) I remember one time I had a conversation with somebody in Oren Moore. Like, it went something like this. Andrew, when are you going to suck it up and be a better leader? And then my response to that was, when are you going to suck it up and be a better follower? Um, because I had uh, I had sort of inverse thoughts about that particular person. And then let's just say that was the last uh, that was the last season they were in the band. Uh, but it goes both ways, right? So you often have feedback for a pipe major, and they very often uh, have feedback for you. So so yeah, it's good to have private conversations.
1: Yeah, the the band circles. Hey, Andrew, can we do that practice like differently? I'm I'm really just not liking the way you're doing it today. <laughs> That's probably not gonna end well.
0: Garrett Garrett says, if you this is deep, if you go through life with an open mind, people will stand in line to fill it with garbage. Well, I I don't I don't know if it's an open mind. Maybe if you go through life you know, wanting to do what everyone tells you to do, maybe. Uh, People are definitely standing in line for that. I think there's a difference between having an open mind and um, not knowing what you're talking about and being desperate for other people to tell you what to do. There's a difference there for sure. Yes, Ken, that is amazing. Uh, Congratulations to your band. God forbid we ever rehearse the process of getting set up for a contest. Yeah, uh, and so congratulations to you guys because that's one of the best, best, best things you can do. Um, by the way, playing a bunch of contests that are less important leading up to the important contest uh, is a really good way to do that as well. It's, you know, it, it's that extra little bit. So, uh, so that's that's awesome, Ken. I'm glad to hear that. All right, let's let me back up in my chat. So that was Kathy's question. Um, so can everybody see how just to keep it tied into the theme, right? Uh, leaving the best performance on the practice field. There's no magic involved, right? It has to do with good leadership. has to do with um, not playing too long. These are all common sense things. Rehearsing well enough so you don't have to practice on performance day. So no magic there, right? Just um, good leadership, uh, good good strategy, and then experience, right? Experience on on the, you know, on the part of the players not to freak out, and on the part of the leadership not to overthink things and overcommit. So uh, I've learned that lesson many times myself. Okay, next one. Hey, y'all, says Lloyd. Would love to hear any tips on getting pipers to relax and not overblow high in the circle. What do you think, Carl?
1: Well, I don't know. There could be so many different symptoms. Um I mean, if it's consistent throughout the whole time, tune the high A. Um, but if it's, it's really peaky blowing, you could, uh, you know, start with a manometer, something where they get some visual feedback, uh, about their playing, and they can see in, in certain spots where they're overblowing. Um I mean, it, you're suggesting that, it, that it's, it's, it's nerves, and then I think the only, uh, thing there is to help do uh, you know, practice being nervous and playing well under that situation? Um, I don't know. Andrew, what do you think?
0: Yeah. I. Uh, so, Lloyd, I, uh, I question or challenge the idea that overblowing the high A's has anything to do with relaxation, okay? So, relaxation and overblowing, uh, not necessarily related at all. I, I think it seems like a piper is tense, right, when they overblow, but it's not necessarily tense or relaxed. It's uh, technique. So, so the only way, in my opinion, right, the only way to get a piper not to overblow a high A is to teach them good blowing habits. That's an individual thing, um, and we need to, you know, we learn. We call that at the dojo. We call it mental. That's the mental aspect of blowing, okay? So so for whatever reason, when we get to high A, we crank down on the left arm usually, and we get that high A surging. Very common problem. Uh, it's something that we need to learn to practice. And that's where Carl's feedback in regards to the manometer comes in, which is we use the manometer as a way to, to give the player that feedback, and then we coach them. So it's like, so you see, Joey, every time you get to this high A, um, you're, you're – you're, Uh, pressure is surging through the roof so let's try that section again and let's see if we can get it and keep the water in the manometer and stay still um you know so that's a huge huge thing um so so don't assume it has anything to do with relaxation that's my number one thing and then secondly um you know and then uh yeah. And the second beta thing blockers. Is,
1: <laughs> Secondly, you can try beta blockers.
0: Well, you can try beta blockers, but I bet you,
1: I bet you, it wouldn't solve blockers. the problem. Yeah. No,
0: it's all technique, right? And then, in order to have a good pipe band, uh, people have to have good instrument technique and good fingerwork technique, and they have to be able to create unison using those two tools, right? The fundamentals are the tools that we use to create a good pipe band. So, um, you, you see what I mean? Uh, So, where am I going with that? I guess what I'm saying is uh, blowing steadily is an individual responsibility. So we need to teach the individuals to blow steadily, which is not rocket science, right? Uh, It's really hard to blow steadily, but it ain't rocket science to help someone blow more steadily. Manometers are a great tool and ears are a great tool, like, yo, bro, (laughs) you know, bro Piper dude. Uh, you're overblown every time you hit a high A, listen. And then they, they play and they're like, oh, crap, I am doing that, so now I need to not do that. Um, that we, you know, Pipers and teachers have been doing that for trillions of years, right? Oh, I just got a text message from Eric Ouellette. Sorry I missed that. I was producing what may have been the most magnificent pipe sound ever. <laughs> it was, like, pretty good for Earl of Seaforth and prating at a McDonald's. Holy guacamole, he says. Uh, maybe we can get them to, uh, I'll say, come on the show and bring us an MP3. We're getting geared up for There's a little solo contest in New Hampshire this weekend. So we're all getting geared up for it. That's why we have these recordings. Oh, and now that Vin's not here to defend himself, I can play this. Drummers right now kind of copy and do what they're told. Excellent. Um, (sighs) So, uh, okay, good. We have more questions. Lloyd says, uh, oftentimes it seems like they just can't help themselves. Well, that's just called bad technique, right? For example, sometimes even though I try to go on a diet, I just can't help myself. I need to eat ice cream. Um, What's the problem there? Well, my dieting technique is not consistent and (laughs) it needs to be developed. You know, I can help myself. I just need to not eat ice cream. Right? It's not rocket science. We just need to instill that individual like discipline and fundamental, you know, fundamental issues. Um, okay, Kurt says, does overblowing the high mean that the piper doesn't hear how the high is supposed to sound, or doesn't believe they are overblowing? I think um, I think it has to do with uh, this is my theory. This is not necessarily fact. okay? But I think it has to do with the fact that, because this is a very common problem among pipers, right, is when we get up to high A, we kind of tense up and overblow. It's like a, a beginner thing. Beginners, and then even some advanced players are still stuck with this problem. I think it has to do with relinquishing the grip on the left hand, because like on the right hand, we get this thumb down here, and it helps us get that grip. But on, on the high hand, we want we use the thumb as a grip, especially when we're beginning. But when we let go of the thumb, I think we kind of panic. And that's what causes it. That's my, that's my theory. Uh, I think it also
1: has a good deal to, to do with when you're learning um, that when you first blow air into a bagpipe and you get a note sound, it's not going to be high A. It's going to be low A or something like that, uh, one of the low hand notes. And they do take a little bit less pressure. I mean, how often do we do we come across a student that plays low A, goes up to high A in a tune and it cuts out? Uh and so right from the get go, some of them are are kind of learning that they have to blow harder on a top hand. And if that if that continues, then then you have that symptom as well.
0: Yeah. I, I don't I mean I think physically that's correct, Carl. I think I think the high A takes slightly more air. However, That that doesn't play any role in our fundamental skill of blowing steadily, right? It does if uh, you
1: get in that habit.
0: It does if you get in that habit. That's correct. So I think you're right. So the important thing is we need to get in the habit of blowing at that sweet spot, which we've talked about in past shows.
1: Right. It's the difference between the bottom and top of the reed.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So let's, um, uh, let's carry on. Lloyd says, I wholeheartedly agree with you. That it is an individual responsibility, but it's tough to get that across. Well, yeah, there you go. That's why uh, it's really hard for a pipe major to be friends with their constituents, uh, because constituents, especially when it comes to bagpiping, which is just a hobby, that's what, at least that's what I'm told, it's just a hobby, and I have more important things to do uh, during the week than practice my blowing, um, you know, that's why you got to lay the smack down sometimes. As by major. Which people appreciate in the long run, but in the short run, they're cranky. Uh, techniques for fostering unison playing in the circle. Garrett, great question. Um, we will uh, come back to that. Let's just make sure. What else we got? A competitive mindset requires correct and positive language versus internalizing negative words, such as nerves. Replacing the phrase with understanding, monitoring the effects of adrenaline. Well, with the exception of those words being way too big for me to understand, Ken, I agree. So what Ken is saying is, um, yeah, we've got we've to be careful not to pigeonhole things. This is my translation of what Ken is saying. We don't want to pigeonhole things into weird, subjective, semi-correct Definitions of what's going on, right? Which is what I was getting at earlier. Um, if people overblow the hiatus, it has nothing to do with relaxation or being tense, right? It simply has to do with developing good technique, good blowing technique, otherwise known as keeping that pressure totally solid, right? Um, so yes, understanding, monitoring the effects of adrenaline. Yeah, uh, yeah. Adrenaline's like a whole different can of worms for me, but yes. So Ken, yeah, excellent point there.
1: No, let's see, we've got, we've got two related so things
0: here. Overblowing a high A to get a clearer tone.
1: Then Norman's comment here about the, um, determining the sweet spot without the channer in the bag. They're all kind of related.
0: Yeah, um, uh, yeah. Let's. I'm going to skip that for today. Uh, we we recently went over the sweet spot, and then uh, if you become a paid member of Dojo U, uh, we work on it all the time. So um, if you're curious about just how to get the sweetest tone possible, um, check out the podcast archive, um, and then also we've got tons of classes at Dojo U. So that'll kill like the whole rest of the show, and I don't want to do that. But um, but yeah, uh, there is a, that perfect pressure. If you. Find that you're blowing at the sweet spot and your high A still sounds scratchy and yucky. Um, there are a few manipulation things you could try to do for that read, but basically, generally speaking, um, it's time for a new read. You know, there's a couple last ditch things you could try, but, um, good. So Garrett says, techniques for fostering unison playing in the circle. Alright. So the bottom line with unison is, uh, the, for me, the bottom line with unison is everybody has to have the same understanding of the methods and fundamentals that they're going to use to produce unison. That's my first number one technique is everyone in the group has to speak the same language. If they don't, there's just no hope. For example, how do you play a D throw? Well. If Joe Blow plays heavy d throw and the other guy plays what he thinks is a heavy d throw, and the other guy just wiggles his fingers, and the other guy plays the correct d throw as taught at the Dojo, Dojo U uh, Fundamentals Academy, okay? Uh, if all four of them are thinking of d throws in a slightly different way, there can be no expectation of unison. Okay? So, so the number one most important thing there is that uh, we have to have the same language and the same game plan. If we have game plans that are close, then our unison can be close. That's about it, right? If we don't have any real game plan and we just get together and hope for the best, then all you can do is hope for something resembling unison. And then meanwhile, if we all have the same game plan, then there is hope somewhere of Get achieving perfect unison. So the biggest thing is developing a game plan for all the individuals to take part in. Um, okay, looks like Eric Olet is signed on, <laughs> um, and then Eric, uh, we'll get to that peeback towards the end of the class for sure. Um, and then Garrett says, "Hope is not an effective technique." Garrett, congratulations on coming to that conclusion. I've also come to that conclusion, right? There's two ways to win a bagpipe contest. Number one, get lucky. Actually, there's three ways. Number one is get lucky. Number two is develop a great game plan, execute the game plan, and practice the game plan to make sure there's no way anyone else can beat you, right? That's number two. That's what I like to do. And then number three is, um, you know, just pay off the panels. Yeah, no one else showing up, right? No one else showing up is the third way to win. No one else showing up, or no one else being there of, you know, even remotely similar ability levels. But which is which also sort of falls under getting lucky, right? Because eventually another band will always come along um, that thinks they can get lucky better than you, um, and so um, so that's where number. Uh, method
1: number two is the way to go. So so Chris asks here, Andrew, does this sort of understanding of unison, does it come from working around the table uh, on the tunes? Uh, so is this an individual thing, or, or, or how do we improve uh, it's that?
0: That's a great question. So in my opinion – now, there are others that don't share this opinion, and, so, um, and that's fine. In my opinion, playing practice channels around the table is one of the least effective ways – uh, to achieve unison. Uh, now, there are exceptions to that rule. So when everybody um, when everybody in the band understands the game plan really well and they've all practiced and they've all developed the material to a really high level, that's one of the rare occasions where playing practice channels together in a group and just pinpointing certain little spots to remember and to think about and to touch up, right? <clears throat> that's when it can be effective. So. For example, we've been doing quite a bit of that at the new Stuart Highlanders um, uh, band that we're involved in now, and I support that in that case because the players are playing at such a high level, and we're all so well prepared when we show up um, that for Adam to go around and to uh, you know pinpoint little things for us to just remember and think about, um, that's a that's a good way to effectively work. But yeah, Chris is talking grade four, so. <clears throat> uh is you know I'm weird people think I'm weird but I would hardly ever play around the table in a group in a great four pipe band um, hardly ever right instead I would take as I would do as much individual work as I possibly could um, teaching the fundamentals teaching people to all think the right way um, and you know take for example the bad blowing we talked about earlier I have to teach individuals to 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 uh, Avoid that problem, and then we'll play a lot. You know, then we'll play a lot as a group. Um, you know, uh, but we push that process to later. You're like most grade four bands I know, they spend ninety minutes playing a table, uh, and then if you're at the end of a practice, so who is I would I would have little breakout sessions. Uh, had breakout sessions with one or two pipers working with an experienced member of the band, um, and then bring that together later. I don't know, um, but but think outside of that box, right? So playing in a group and then making broad generalizations—it's only it can only be so useful, especially in a room where people need to develop the basic fundamentals, right? It doesn't matter how how it doesn't matter how many times you stress that you need to hold a certain note. If, if three of the pipers don't actually have the fundamental ability to comprehend that yet. So so anyway, uh, really good question. Really good. Um, and then, yeah, so so the first, it's all about game plan. It's all about individuals being able to execute the game plan. You know what I mean? I, I would, in grid foreband I would talk very little about expression, for example. I would talk about scale navigation, basic rhythm, uh, good grace notes, good embellishments. Maybe a little bit of ALAP ASAP here and there, but even that, it's like, I save that till later, till we got the first four of those key fundamentals down. And the same goes with um, with bagpipe stuff. It's like You know, one of the only things I'm talking about is good bagpipe maintenance, good drone read calibration, and then achieving good blowing at the sweet spot. We'd hardly ever talk about tuning. Yeah, guys who are 50 years old and been playing for 40 years. Well, um, they have to, if they're 50 years old, and they've been playing for 40 years, Um, and, you know, they're still in the grade four band and not playing at a higher level, unfortunately, that means by definition that we still have fundamentals that we need to develop. Um, And they have to have the attitude of wanting to improve fundamentals. And if they don't have that attitude, um, you either have to resign your band to not moving forward, or you have to require that person um, to move forward. One or the other. You can't have your cake and eat it too. It's one of those things. You have to, def- you know, and that that goes back to other shows we've done about defining the goals of your pipe band. You know, you can't you can't have a leisurely group. Where you never have to put in the time, uh, if you also want your group to advance. Two plus two does not equal five. Unfortunately, um, and that's that's a band culture question. You know that that's a heavy duty one. What we got. Hey, Eric, are you out there? uh yeah i'm there cool uh yeah do you have an mp3 you want to load in there big Lab? Yeah,
2: sure let's see
0: i figure we could kind of like we could take the show out on your p brock
1: well hopefully the show ends before we get to the later variations it wasn't quite uh wasn't quite what i wanted.
0: well i think most people most people will either be asleep or gone by then
1: <laughs> <laughs> let's see Pretty nice bagpipe sound there. You were you were saying? He's uploading, so
0: he probably is experiencing connection difficulties.
2: Mm.
0: Sometimes when you upload, if your connection isn't stellar, it uh, has trouble. The same might be going for other people too. That's,
1: that's a good question. In the meantime, Andrew Garrett asks. Kicked them off. <laughs> asks about cues that the pipe major can use to influence um, the band as they're playing, like during a performance, i.e. changes yeah. in tempo, body language.
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, um, like basically we we want to make sure, we want to try to make it so that when we get on the performance field, there aren't very many uh you know, cues that we will need to give, right? We want to we want to keep things relatively um, simple, straightforward. We don't want to be ch- trying to change tempos all over the place. Um, pipe major at lower levels have two cues, start and stop. Yeah, so when I was pipe major, um, I would step into the circle a little bit if I needed to get people's attention, and then I would have some basic body language that I could use, like, like I could sort of lean in and, and give like a, like lean in and give like a little look,
1: an evil eye.
0: Not evil eye, but just kind of like you know, which evil and that evil. sort of represented people to not to not like get lazy and to play right up to the tempo and to not let it slow down. Uh, I could also step in and then lean back a little bit, and people understood that that meant you know whoa whoa Nelly take her easy there a little bit. Um, and you know so and that was just some basic body language there and then obviously the main one is just the foot tapping the foot tapping that's the main the main thing that you do so you set the tempo with that um, and uh, so on and so forth the foot and then people watching your fingers as well
1: yeah I think it's also important to not do that too extremely either uh, right. You know, if you scare your players in the middle of a performance, uh it doesn't matter what you were trying to communicate because it's going to be lost behind, panicked playing. Some people will go faster. Some people will go slower. Others will cut out. It, so you don't want to do anything unsettling either.
0: That's right. And that's why you want to keep it to a minimum is that, uh, you know, pe- people don't want to get freaked out on the field. So. Right. I mean, Field Marshal Montgomery is the most amazing example of that ever. I feel, you know, generally speaking, I feel like Richard just sort of stands there and plays, and he's not. I mean, he might be making cues that I don't know about, but you know, he's just they—they they just go through the set. They've got it that well prepared.
1: Yeah, and you look around the circle, and people are just kind of like they're not—they're not even really looking at the pipe major. They might check in occasionally, but it's just kind of like, yeah. So what am I going to have for lunch today? I'm not really sure what uh... the... what
0: it looks like. I mean... Well, it really
1: looks, that's what
2: it looks like.
1: Yeah. It's like, how do you do that? It's insane. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, a lot of that's part of the psychological game. I remember a little bit at SFU being coached to, like, look cool, man. Like, don't, don't be looking all freaked out out on the field. You know, sometimes Jack would coach the band in that way. Like, yeah. hey, be cool, dude. Like, the more relaxed you look the more confidence the judges have that you know what you're doing. Um, which, man, Oren Moore never got that ever, did we? No. Good, good Lord, we were like a bunch of scared lab rats out there. Uh, and, again, it could be a result of bad leadership. Who knows? But it's like, you know, uh, Mike McCool, he's out there somewhere in the world. He always kind of always looks, even though he's playing fine, he looks nervous. Um, So, anyway, so looking the part is a big thing, too, especially at the higher levels. Ken says, any plans for the new band hitting the Ontario circuit this season? Uh, This season is pretty much set in stone. I don't think the band's planning to go to Ontario. Ontario is a lot farther for the band now because it's centered in Boston, right? Boston is another three hours further from Ontario than we were when we were centered in Albany. So, I I don't think the band's planning on going. Um, it would be fun though I always enjoyed playing in Ontario alright Garrett's got to run I think this is a good point as any to try and get Eric Olette's thing going on but he just he disappeared uh, so we might be out of luck
1: is that maybe him as the guest there
0: oh maybe he's back oh maybe he's back yeah.
1: yes. Here. that should help yeah. Eric
0: Okay, so we'll see if you can get that uploaded here without getting booted off. So yeah, uh, great questions, guys. I mean, we could talk about this stuff forever. It's one of our favorite things because we love pipe bands. So, um, so we'll definitely do further shows on this. What percentages of that there, big lad? Is that like a really low percentage? Uh, Band usage. Oh, see, he got kicked off again.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's not enough. Yeah. Forget it.
0: Oh well. Hey,
1: do you want to put week. it up in the
0: Dropbox and then I can I can do it.
1: Too much tone in there. Too much tone in there. Eric.
0: Yeah, there's too much tone in that
2: file. It's
1: too rich.
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, well, well, we'll listen to that. We'll listen to that or something like that next week. We'll listen to some. Um, we'll listen to some um, P. Brock at the beginning of next show then. So uh, thanks for coming, everybody. Uh, unfortunately we are going to call it in there on that PBROC file so um, so we'll catch you guys on the flip side next week.
1: Thanks for coming everybody.
0: See ya thanks for coming.